0: Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. I'm Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide. Riptide, a three-day Super Smash Brothers, Rivals of Aether, and Splatoon 2 tournament that took place at the Kalahari Resort in Sandusky, Ohio from September 10th to 12th, had strict COVID measures in place for the in-person event. Every attendee needed to show proof of at least one dose of the COVID vaccine by September 1st or show a negative COVID test from September 6th or later. And it seemed that after 2,861 tournament attendees, the event went off without any issues. But on September 14th, Riptide tweeted out that all attendees should be tested immediately as one asymptomatic person attended the event. Joining me today is Josh Jash Marcotte, Director of Logistics at Panda Global. Josh was the tournament organizer for the event. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Of course. Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Well, firstly, uh, how are you feeling?
1: I feel great. I think... uh... Uh, As anyone can imagine in the world we're living in, I spent the previous two months very nervous about Riptide weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, The primary concern was always health and safety and making sure our policies matched what we could do at the venue space and what would promote uh, as few folks from getting sick as possible. Um, And so I personally am feeling great. I got tested negative and I'll be getting tested again in a couple of days just to make sure. Um, But I'm also feeling relieved and thankful to all the attendees and to everyone that came by that adhered to our policies, and as a result, uh, in a huge number, didn't get sick.
0: Well, you know, when it comes to the actual preparation, were you dealing with any laws in Ohio that were preventing you from doing what you felt was necessary to ensure maximum safety?
1: In terms of laws or, or ordinances, the sort of thing, no. Um, mm-hmm. Ohio is fairly open in that regard. There are there was some resistance on the governor's side, but nothing that like strictly put us in a position where we couldn't uh, ask for tests or vaccinations. Um, when the FDA approved Pfizer, this made everything a lot easier, the The venue was way more open to helping us sort of with our policies. But uh, strictly legally speaking, no, there were no significant obstacles for us. And thank goodness for that.
0: And apart from the one asymptomatic person that tested, well, obviously positive, uh, I assume that other people have since gone and gotten tested. Have you seen any other positive tests come back? We have. Uh, I think
1: we are sitting now in terms of people who have come forth publicly and saying they're positive at at five or six. Um, There's sort of an ambiguity in one case about whether the person attended Riptide or not. Uh, Mm. We love Twitter and we love the ambiguity of language sometimes. But five or six out of, as you said at the beginning, nearly 3,000 feels like a huge relief. Uh, The numbers could have been way worse.
0: Do you know if everybody who attended the event uh, has taken a COVID test?
1: I don't, and I and I would uh, uh, probably I'd, I'd safely make the assumption that that is not the case. Um, mm-hmm. There was just afterward a poll taken by um, just an attendee, not anyone associated with the event, saying, "Do you intend to get a COVID test after Riptide?" And it was about half and half in terms of folks that had or hadn't. Um, we did, as a result of seeing that poll, tweet out and and sort of spread the word that um, anyone attending a large event, and this is not just restricted to Smash Brothers, is of course restricted or this is applicable to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, should get tested after they go to said large gathering. Um, we recommended uh, waiting a little while. Uh, obviously, it takes a little while for incubation to happen for the virus to become detectable from uh, any sort of COVID test. Uh, but we did heavily recommend folks across the board go get tested to make sure that you know the, their loved ones around them were not exposed to the virus unnecessarily.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I did the same when I uh, flew back from New York and went to a movie premiere that was, although vaccination cards were actually required uh, in New York, uh, Still, there were quite a, quite many people that weren't masked. Um, sure. But so exactly, how many people were at the event that could have been ex- exposed? And I'm not just talking about people who you know paid to attend the event as uh, competitors, but you know, guests, employees, staff.
1: Of course, yeah. Uh, uh, there's actually an additional component to this, which is uh, Riptide was held at a Kalahari, which is an indoor water park resort. Mm -hmm. Um, the resort itself doesn't require masks and the resort itself is enormous. Uh, So taking into account the 3,000-ish staff and attendees that were associated with Riptide, there are also thousands of folks at the resort itself that either could have spread the disease to our attendees um, or the virus, rather, to our attendees uh, or um, could have been exposed from someone asymptomatic there as well. Uh, We emphasize to our attendees that Um, Obviously, going to the water park and enjoying the resort's um, amenities are their choice, uh, but we could control what we could control, which was our venue space. Uh, Mm. So in terms of of sheer number, it's thousands for sure.
0: And how well were the competitors following your guidelines? I mean, were masks staying over people's noses? Were people coming in wearing bandanas or uh, cloth masks?
1: Uh, In terms of adherence, we had an enormous adherence rate. I think it's one of the reasons why this weekend went so successfully in terms of uh, at least public facing uh, positive COVID cases. Um, There were, of course, and and this will be the case regardless of of sort of population. uh, Plenty of us had to remind folks, hey, pull your mask up. But the majority of attendees were enthusiastic about following our, our guidelines. Um, I think there were a couple instances on stream, on broadcast, where uh, someone's mask was under their nose. Uh, and even Twitch chat was participating in the, uh, hey, make sure they mask up uh, campaign. So it goes to show that I think the community recognized right from the get go that we were hanging by a string. You know, one event with a huge outbreak would functionally end events for a long while. And I think everyone was enthusiastic about making sure that um, everyone was following guidelines. Especially those, uh, and I, would, I will give a special shout out to folks who live in states where wearing masks uh, is not so commonplace uh, in public. Um, even folks from those states and from those areas were uh, enthusiastic and compliant, uh, which is everything I could have asked for. Hmm.
0: Was there a demand that uh, you know, medical masks had to be wear, w- worn, like uh, K95s?
1: There weren't, though I noticed uh, plenty of attendees, including myself, uh, wearing uh, surgical masks and, 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 and uh, more vigorous masks. Uh, but no, the uh, stipulation was simply uh, uh, cloth covering that covered mm. both nose and mouth.
0: Well, I mean, luckily, you know, they, it seems that KN95 masks have become much easier to find, uh, especially since the start of the pandemic. Why wasn't there a demand that more rigorous masks be, well, mandated? Sure. I think it
1: comes down to uh, feasibility of policy. Mm-hmm. Um, we were already asking our attendees to go get tested if they weren't vaccinated to provide proof of vaccination. Um, I think it's uh, an extent to which you can expect folks only to adhere to, um, policies that make sense to them. Uh, and since the beginning of the pandemic, the messaging, of course, from, from, uh, health agencies has been a cloth mask, right? Mm-hmm. This is sort of the standard we followed, um, and inter- I, I, it's an interesting thought experiment to wonder had we said you must wear a CAN-95 um, or something equivalent. Um, but as far as I'm aware, nothing in our sector has, has gone that far quite yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly something to consider should uh, you know, outbreaks continue to happen and should large events um, have a, a less successful
0: uh, virus spread prevention rate than Riptide. What percentage of attendees were fully vaccinated?
1: I actually don't have that information offhand. It's something where during check-in, the check-in staff very carefully looked at documents provided. um, And either attendees had to mark off, uh, or attendees had to provide, as you said at the beginning, a negative test or a vaccination card. Um, But the precise uh, identifier was not not included anywhere in our registration. So I actually don't have that information offhand.
0: Did you have any instances of people walking in with uh, fake COVID vaccination cards? Not as far as we're aware, and uh, our
1: check-in staff was prepped for it and sort of understanding what what a what makes up a real vaccination card, as sort of basic guidelines in that regard. But we had no indications that anyone tried to uh, to fake it coming in. Again, mm-hmm. I think it comes down to the enthusiasm of the community, sort of understanding that this was the first large smash event um, since February of 2020, uh, and any sort of shenanigans, any sort of big. Um, issues would mean the end of open events for a while.
0: So yeah, I, I'm wondering why not mandate full COVID vaccinations instead of just, you know, a, a shot or a, a negative test? I mean, it, it's been shown that a single dose alone does very little to protect protect a person from the virus itself. Um, and especially with vaccines being I don't know, so plentiful in the United States, why not just go, you need to have a full COVID vaccination?
1: Sure. I, I think it's a, it's a great policy idea. And there are plenty of events coming up that are doing such a thing. Uh, for Riptide, um, we sort of had to lean on what the venue would easily permit us to do, and what the security was helping to was willing to help uh, sort of set up. Um, and at the time when we had set up the event, the FDA had not approved any vaccines. And so once hmm. the FDA had approved Pfizer, we that the opened doors for us to be able to uh, require a vaccination card. That unfortunately happened two weeks before the event which would not have given us an appropriate timeline to require folks to get vaccinated. Um, there are events happening across the country later on, uh, one notably in January called Let's Make, uh, Let's Make Big Moves, yes, uh, that are requiring vaccination. So I think that step is coming.
0: Mm-hmm. So what is the next tournament that you're going to be organizing?
1: Uh, I'm helping run Low Tide City, uh, another mm-hmm. Kalahari Water Park tournament, this
0: time in Round Rock, Texas, just close to Austin. And oh, that's okay, in
1: okay. Uh, two and a half weeks.
0: Very cool. Um, and what lessons are you going to take from this tournament to that tournament? Oh my gosh, how long do you have? Uh, <laughs> this is, it's,
1: it's one of these things where we were so floored by the success of our policies. And at least I'm going to say, I'll, I'll give my preface here in saying success, at least defined as of right now by folks who have come forward. There's of course still plenty of time and folks should still get tested and should folks still test positive. There's a decent shot it came from Riptide. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, if, if I'm running under the assumption that it was a successful event in terms of um, not a high number of positive COVID cases, we're bringing the mask uh, and, and same sort of mandates from Riptide to Low Tide City. We're keeping in mind uh, a setup spacing in the venue area, which was a huge part of our floor plan for Riptide. Um, we're keeping in mind ways of preventing crowding around setups when big sets are happening. We're keeping in mind... Um, sort of meeting out when people can be around the setup area, uh, these sorts of things. We didn't have a 24-hour venue, which is uh, a sort of piece of smash culture, um, an overnight venue at Riptide, and we won't have it at Low Tide City as well. Um, So there's a lot of um, little and big things that we are pulling in from Riptide. We sanitized pencils and clipboards for pool captains every wave. We'll be doing that again at Low Tide City, Uh, these sorts of things.
0: Mm -hmm. And... Back at Riptide, Mm -hmm. so the event—I mean, was this kind of the first big event you had attended since, I guess, before the start of the pandemic? It was, yeah, yeah. And I mean, for I guess the attendees and yourself, I mean, what what were you guys feeling? I think the
1: first day, so uh, setup day as well as day one of the event, there was this lingering worry in the back of my head. I think as anyone who you know can remember the first time you saw a crowd or went into a crowd after after lockdown. There is this like, oh my gosh, should I be here? Is this OK uh, feeling? But I think mm-hmm. that lingered. And that's, that's self-preservation, right? That's not something that, that uh, screams panic. It's just, as people, this is what we are accustomed to being worried for. Um, it was right in the middle of day one when you know the second wave of the day had started. We were doing side events. It was a fairly lax day. I looked out across the setups and sort of saw players having fun, talking to each other, But being respectful of distance, being respectful of uh, not crowding around each other or by people they weren't talking to, there was this purposeful fanning out across the venue, even when something exciting happened. So, for instance, one of the first matches we had on stream for Smash Ultimate was a doubles match where um, one one team was reduced to one player against two people on the other team. And that one player managed to defeat the other two people in a very exciting, very breathtaking sort of way. Uh, in those moments, I would have expected in the past people to rush the stage, folks to be cheering in groups. There was this collective turn and excitement, which is which felt very nostalgic and I sort of think uh, brought me into feeling comfortable. But there was no stage rushing. There was no um, sort of similar things that in a uh, post-lockdown world, I'd sort of say, oh my gosh, that's that's unsafe. Everyone was incredibly respectful, but still maintained the hype of the event. Um, So I think that was sort of what defined my day one then what defined the rest of the weekend was that excitement that we as a community could come together and have a phenomenal event and share all the hype we used to share, but do it in a way that didn't uh, sort of trigger my fight or flight, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. It seems that the way Smash competitors conducted themselves was in contrast to maybe Uh, ways traditional sports fans conduct themselves that, you know, we've seen on television and whatnot. Why do you feel that esports fans are being far more respectful? And uh, I mean, for lack of a a better term, like respecting the virus uh, more than maybe traditional sports fans.
1: I think there's a level of agency that comes with open bracket events in general. Um, You are a competitor at the event. You want to do well at the event. You don't want to leave the event sick. That way you can go to future events and compete. You know, um, when you're a fan in an arena, um, I think it's much easier to ignore the situation on the ground because you're watching professionals do their thing. Mm. When you're at a smash event, it, similar to the FGC and similar to a couple other esports um, that, are, that are more grassroots, these are your peers all around you. These are your, like, you know, a lot of these folks, they're from your local scene, or you've seen them on Twitch, or you know that they're hardworking staff, or whatever the case may be, you have a personal connection in some form with many of them. And so I think there is this sort of peer protection sort of thing that comes in. Um, Whereas when you're at a a sporting event, I mean, you are there to be entertained. Um, And there are plenty of folks folks who feel connected to their fan communities, for sure. And I wouldn't discount that. But I would say, I think I would safely assume a majority of folks at sporting events are there um, the same way you go to a movie theater. It's sort of for your entertainment, for the person's entertainment and not for uh, the collective. Whereas a lot of these tournaments end up being for the collective. You go to to see and be part of the community.
0: Mm-hmm. So after
1: all of this, is Smashback? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in terms of level of competitiveness and and strength of competition, the answer is an absolute yes. Um, We were very nervous that lockdown and the need to play online would heavily affect the top players and the top level of competition we would see. And we were proven wrong um, not just this last weekend, but also a couple weeks ago when Beyond the Summit did uh, a summit event with 16 players. Um, Smash is alive and well, and the competitive scene is thriving and is, and is uh, incredibly compelling to watch still. Um, in terms of is Smashback as a larger collective set of events, I think so. I think there's still some hesitation. And I think events are still being held to, um, whether they're small local events or larger national events, um, they're still being held to high scrutiny in terms of policies. Um, plenty of local events, these smaller events that happen around the country. Uh, Respectfully asked Riptide attendees not to attend for the first few days after the event ended and then many of them are now requiring negative tests from folks who went to Riptide to be able to go to those events. Um, So I think that sort of shows that Smash is back, but of course it was affected by the last year and a half. Um, But the big piece that is still missing uh, is international travel. Um, And that will be something, something missing in earnest for a long time. There are players that went to France recently um for a larger event and there were some french players who were intending to come to riptide um, but didn't for, for for safety reasons um there are plenty of japanese players who haven't left japan that are that are world renowned so i think Smashes back with an asterisk
0: um for now hmm. well with that thank you so much for jumping on the show of course thank you for having me and that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to FTWAhmad.com. To follow Josh and keep up to date on the latest tournament rules and logistics, follow him at J-A-A-A-H-S-H on Twitter. That's J-3-A's H-S-H on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Enrique de Moore and Jacob Wolfe. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. Our research assistant is Sam Higgins. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.